Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Rocky Unscripted. We are taking a short pause from our Enneagram series on subtypes that we started uh, a month or so ago. Uh, we, we had an intro episode and we went through type one, two, three, and four, and we are taking a short pause. We're going to be picking up with Enneagram type five subtypes in just a week or two, but we wanted to replay uh, our most popular episode ever. And we're, today we are talking about how to forgive. This is an episode that many, many, many of you have listened to, but we also know this. We've picked up some new listeners, some new followers since we began this Enneagram subtype journey. And this is a very fitting interview, very fitting topic for anyone who's interested in the Enneagram because we all run into the issue of forgiveness and how we handle forgiveness when people offend us. So we feel like today it's going to be worth your time to listen to. If you've already heard this episode, I think it's worth listening to again. We've never done this before. Uh, we, we've seen this in, in many other podcast formats and we wanted to give it a shot. So now we are replaying our most popular episode on how to forgive. Hey everyone, welcome back to Rocky Unscripted, a podcast where we talk about faith when Sunday is over. Today is a special episode and we have a special guest with us, Michael Beamer, who is a marriage and family therapist. He's also the founder of Aspen Mental Health Group. We wanted to invite Michael because Sean and I have known Michael for, for years, uh, his expertise in, in mental wellness, but also he's just a fun guy. He's a fun guy to have around. And today we're talking about forgiveness. We often talk about forgiveness in, in churches, and we talk about what the Bible says, and it is so central to our faith. However, we don't often discuss how to forgive practically, so we wanted to bring Michael in to, to provide some some extra insight. So I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. This is a little bit of a longer episode, chock full of information, so you might want to take notes or listen to it multiple times. If you hear anything today that you feel like friends and family need to hear, please share the podcast. We want more and more people to know about this as a resource to their lives. So without further ado, let's jump into the conversation. Well, we're sitting here with Sean and our special guest, Michael, who I just talked about. Good to see you again, Sean. Good to see you, Nick. It's been a little while. Yeah. Um, summertime, I've been traveling a lot. People give me all <laughs> kinds of grief. I think I've traveled, I don't know, three or four Dude, weeks out of the last six. They're just jealous. They are jealous. They That's are, what man. it is. That's the motivation. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm ignoring you, Michael. Good to have That's you. Okay. Glad <laughs> to be on the show. Hey, we were traveling at the same time. We didn't we realize were. it. All of a yeah. sudden, we, we started talking. Um, I was in Mexico. You, where were you again? Dominican Republic. Dominican yeah. Republic. Um, I saw some of your photos. I'm like, looks like Michael's having a little bit more of an adventure than I am. <laughs> yeah. I was sitting on the beach, and you were riding mountain bikes. Yeah, on the yeah, beach. Yeah. Um, so the, our listeners just heard a little bit about your background and, and and what you do professionally. But Sean and I know you on, on a little bit more personal level. Uh, do you mind sharing about your family? Like, what what do you do? What, what's your family like? What are you guys up to? Oh boy. Well. Our family is, uh, we've been in Longmont for about 18 years. Okay. And uh, we came up from Mississippi, uh, well, from New York by way of Mississippi. <laughs> oh, I mean, wow. So a lot of, The you typical know, path. Just, just crazy <laughs> ministry path, you yeah. know. And, um, and so my wife, Alexa, uh, she works there at the university. And then Harper and Asher, uh, my teenage, uh, actually all three, Becky, they're all teenagers oh, now. Oh, my goodness. Um, they, they're in high school and they play sports. And um, we like to travel a lot. Mm -hmm. So that's something that we do uh, frequently. I'd say that uh, 
this has definitely been the summer of transition. My oldest son's going off to college. Oh, man. And it's not like he's – I'm kind of jealous of you, Sean, because – you know, Gracie's yeah. just up the road, yeah. right? I mean, I see pictures, and she's, like, visiting, and I'm actually going through this phase where I'm like, I might not see him again. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know why I did the Batman voice there, but that dad I don't back. think it's the last Dude, time we're going to no, hear that voice. No, probably not. Yeah. Um, and so um, he's going to Portland, and he's going to a school up there, and, um, and what's really interesting, the twist that happened this week is he is uh, – you know, he's not, he's starting a relationship with a young lady on the other coast. Oh, Sean and I were talking yeah. about this. Like, she's in Philly. He's in Portland. We're in, De- we're in Longmont. Uh-huh. So it's, we're, <laughs> you're the meetup place. Yeah, we're, baby, I hope yeah. so. And so we're, we'll see. It's, this is a summer of transition and our mm-hmm. family's definitely yeah. feeling a lot of transition. Yep. But um, it's been, it's been good. We love living here. Michael, I think, you know, you, you there's so many cool things about you. My favorite thing about you is your passion for pizza. Oh, yes. And I'm not talking about like, oh, I love Domino's and I love Pizza Hut and I love it. You have a passion for making it from scratch uh, yeah. and cooking it like in specific ways. In fact, um, when you were in the Dominican, you were mm-hmm. like, I've been hitting up all these like wood fired pizza yeah, places. And that, is not what, uh, that is not what I would picture. Like this is the location to go. For wood pizza. <laughs> you have revealed a different side of yes, me. Yes. Uh, um, but yeah. anything else you, you would you would add about what you're up to? Well, I you know, for the last eighteen years, I think we're on nineteen years, um, you know, my work has really uh since nine eleven, uh, I've been involved with uh global disaster response in which we partner with churches and ministries around the globe. Um, I've lost count of how many natural disasters we've responded to over the years, but there's a team of volunteers and staff that work with groups like Red Cross, Samaritan's Purse, CDC, um, Med Air, so many ministries um, that are able to meet the needs of specifically like refugees for the last five years now. Mm-hmm. And um, but we responding to disasters, it's a it's something that we're passionate about as a family, myself. Um, just being able to find ways to use people in the church, their skill sets when mm. they don't think they have any mm-hmm. to go in the field, but um, letting them go into short-term missions um, and follow up with medical or education um, or organization um, in helping a mission take off overseas. That's something I'm really passionate about. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, I can't really talk too much about it. <laughs> yeah. I love that. All right. Well, uh, we, we started this conversation several months ago, not in the podcast, but Sean, you, you preached a message several weeks back uh, within this Beatitude series, and we've just been holding it, and you were talking about mercy. Yeah. And um, we realized there, this connection of, of mercy and forgiveness, and we realized, man, forgiveness is, we talk about it a lot in Christian circles, in religious circles, you know, multiple religions, but the, the, the process of forgiving is really complicated at times. Yeah. So we just realized, man, I, I wish we could spend a little bit more time on uh, on the, the the subject of forgiveness. But Sean, I don't know if you, you could kind of kick us off and uh, kind of summarize your message because it's been maybe it's five been weeks a, ago. Yeah, yeah. And um, I made a mistake, man. I told people we were doing this podcast. I didn't have the calendar in mind when I did it. Yeah, you so announced those this people like four, like, four weeks like ago. Waiting for it. Yeah. So apologize to anybody's been waiting. Um, but uh, man, it, well, I think what was interesting about the the message is you know forgiveness is just a huge thing for people just you know, i mean people have hurts in life deep hurt you can talk about forgiveness the need for forgiveness we did that in the message um we even talked about some theological things of just 
man, it's like six or seven times in the New Testament says, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. And there are people with some deep hurt that are like, well, what does that really mean? And God was basically saying this forgiveness is at the core of who I am. So if you're going to be a follower of me, you've got to follow that. But what I don't think we talked about it in the message of, you know, what forgiveness isn't, mm. you know, it's forgiveness isn't fair, right? It's not. I mean, it costs me something, but when I'm forgiving someone who's hurt me, it's not costing them anything. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's not fair. So forgiveness isn't fair and forgiveness isn't easy. You know, we talked about this, those size and what forgiveness is when you come back to what it is, it's a process mm. that happens over time and it's a process of healing. And I think, but we really didn't get into the how to. And so Michael, you and I, we know each other uh, deeply from some counseling things. I mean, that's how I actually ran into you first was I called you and said, Hey, we need some help and let's chat. And I've talked very openly with the church about that process and uh, I've been super helpful, but I super helpful with me, um, just our marriage, all of that. But when I was talking to Nick, I was like, we need to get down into the depths of like, how do you actually do this? Like this yeah. whole forgiveness thing, man, we talk about what it is, what it isn't, but how do you actually let go and let mm -hmm. God take care of some of these things? And so just from your perspective, I think that's where I said, man, we need to call Michael, get him in here and yes. chat a little bit. Yes. And I think if, if I can pick on us as a church and I, not just Rocky, but just like that big C church yeah. across the world, I think there are times when we just maybe fall a little short on, hey, those, those, those tricky forgiveness situations, we don't know how to do it. So we know we should. Um, and, and Michael, one thing I want to throw to you is um, in your experience with the church and multiple denominations and throughout your travels and all that kind of stuff, can you just kind of say, okay, before we start bashing on, you know, uh, man, churches, we fall short in explaining how to forgive. What are the ways that, that Christianity just it has doing an awesome job when it comes to forgiveness? What, what is it about Christianity that sets us up well to forgive well? Mm, and that is a tough question. I know. Because you're assuming that we do it well. You know, I, I, going back to something you said, Sean, and tell me if you want to go this direction, but you said the word letting go when you talked about forgiveness and mercy. And that's a huge part. You know, the culture, if you go back a long ways, I mean, there's books about this. There's books about, you know, the rise and fall of Mars Hill. And, you know, there's a lot of people are commenting on corruption. You know, they're looking for corruption. And when you're looking for corruption, you're looking for injustice. I think the fight against injustice in today's society is almost greater than the idea of turning the other cheek or letting go. I mean, letting mm. go mm. takes a lot of strength. We're not taught that as kids. I mean, we're three guys here and I'm older than you guys, but I think we would all share in the, the idea that we were taught to be strong young men, yeah. to be stronger yeah. men and then to lead. And a lot of times that idea of leadership is portrayed in our media and the things we read and see and in the church is much of that kind of, John Wayne, mm. AT Machismo. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And even though we, we, we don't want to admit it, strength is some, sometimes mm. idolized over, you know, being a peacemaker or letting go. The idea of uh, letting go is really pivotal because mm. that is demonstrating a strength that is not of your own, I think. Mm -hmm. So what was your question? <laughs> <laughs> it was, I mean, it was, it was okay. in the foundation of Christianity. Uh, how is, how are we set up well to pursue forgiveness? 
Well, I think it's in the DNA of the believer. It is. And it's part of being a new creation is that this is a part of who we are. You know, the model of the cross, the forgiveness of man, the shedding of Christ's blood changes us so that now we're capable of forgiving. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it's really uh, a priority or in the actual DNA of someone who doesn't know Christ as yeah. their Savior. I think they, they use other terms in psychology like closure, closing mm-hmm. the loop, changing oh, yeah, the feedback. Yeah. And it's hel- I mean, it is healthy to close the loop on a conversation, to not have conflict over, you know, studies say over a certain number of hours. So people have conflict for three days. In, you know, in marriage therapy or family systems therapy, that's a huge red flag, mm. right? And then there's all the medical studies of for people who hold bitterness and won't forgive others, um, how it just increases anxiety, depression, diagnosis, mm-hmm. blood pressure, uh, heart, it changes your sleep, and it builds up over time. What's interesting about this among Christians, however, is there seems to be a focus on God's forgiveness of me. God's forgiveness of us and less emphasis on my forgiveness of my brothers and sisters. Very true. And um, there was a Gallup study in 2020 that I was looking at last night in which they polled uh, church attending people who claim to be, to have a faith in Christ in, uh, in the evangelical church today. And women are more likely to forgive and be forgiven. Mm -hmm. They're also more likely to have really strong small groups. I think there's probably a connection there. Mm. Intimacy grows. Trust grows. Yeah. That's pretty powerful information. Men, however, tend to be the outlier. They often need forgiveness, but it's hard for them to offer forgiveness. Mm. And so I think there's, some, there's the DNA of the believer, and then there's the culture of the believers. And maybe that's something that we need to talk about because it's, it starts with how we nurture change. Mm. And forgiveness is is it's one of the most important foundational pieces of how we believe and what we believe and and how we know Jesus and how we you know love others like him i mean mm-hmm. this is part of it and so i think that there's a more complicated question than just how is it that we do it mm-hmm. we have to go back and mm-hmm. ask what's stopping us are we just not able to let go you know i yeah, and, and go back to that question of just what sets us up well for it as believers. You know, that was one of the things we said in the message that forgiveness is received. You know, it's mm-hmm. not achieved. And you think about just uh, as far as religions go, Christianity is the only one where your forgiveness is received and not somehow achieved by what you do and what you don't do. Right. And, and, and I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I would love to know, like, why is that? Why is that important? Because if we're supposed to reflect God's, you know, if God gave his forgiveness to us and that is what we are to reflect to other people, then it's not dependent. That's what is so hard. It's not dependent on whether they achieve it, whether they come back and apologize Mm -hmm. for it, whether they, all those things that we feel like you should do this. Right. It's really dependent upon being more like Christ and being able to let go and say, I received it. Now I must give it. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting how you, you kind of brought out that quid pro quo. It becomes, you know, we, we turn forgiveness into something transactional. Yeah. You kind of think, yeah. well, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to let them off the hook. I don't want to just let them think it's okay, yeah. you know, with my forgiveness. And that's not really what it's about at all. It, forgiveness doesn't mean reconciliation. It's, it's awareness and a letting go. 
Hmm. Um, and so forgiveness doesn't mean reconciliation. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going on that for a second. Well, I'm thinking about, okay, as Christ reached out to people, as he, as he shared and was an example to others, his, he was taken captive in front of his men in the garden of Gethsemane. You know, he didn't wait to go with them. You know, I mean, he forgave them on the cross. He said, Lord, they, they, when we fast forward to the cross, they know not what they do. He didn't wait for all of them to be receptive. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's powerful because I know for myself, one of my greatest sins, am I allowed to talk like this? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) One of my greatest beep. (laughs) No, seriously though. I mean, like one of my greatest sins is sometimes I I switch this. I need a little bit of your flesh to give you me a little bit of your, my flesh and Mm -hmm. a little bit of your flesh to give you a little bit of my flesh. And that transactional, like, you owe me and I'll mm-hmm. pay you when you pay me like it needs to be equal really is, is uh, something that I've struggled with since I was a little kid. And, um, and I don't know where it came from. I don't know if it's grown up in Alabama where there's just so much inequality and racism. And it wasn't until I was older that it, I really realized what kind of strange incubator, you know, I was in mm. as a, as a kid in the church, but it's, Forgiveness is often seen as something that needs a lot of pomp, a lot of, it needs to be the right time. How many times have, you know, Sean, we've talked about this, like, well, I want to bring this up with this person, but I'm just waiting for the right time. And I think Satan, that's him whispering in our ear saying, yeah, just wait till the right time. Wait, mm. don't do it too quick. You might mess it up and, and you're not going to mess it up. Mm. forgiveness exists on its own. You're just, you're the vessel, right? So I think it's like there is, the right time is now, you know? I think the right way is one-on-one, maybe a group to one. It just depends on the mm-hmm. situation. But it's, the waiting is where I think we get confused. Like it needs to be done a certain way. And mm-hmm. part of that is it's not based on, the timing's not based on the reception of the other person or the heart of the other person. Because yeah. we don't see the heart of the other person. You know, I think one thing I struggle with uh, along those same lines is like we want, okay, someone is going to come to me and let's say they do apologize. Earlier you mentioned it's not conditional on that apology or, yeah. you know, but if someone does come and apologize to me, I can get hung up on, I, I don't think the way you apologize was good enough. Mm. I don't, I don't know if you totally get it. I don't know if you realize your offense to me enough. And it's like I will keep mining the conversation and the argument until I feel like I get it. Here's the problem. By by arguing and pushing for it, I rarely actually get what I yeah. what I thought I wanted and needed. You, get, you know probably I mean? get less. What I, yeah. what I got was just an argument. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that stretches, you know, in, in a situation in our marriage with Amanda, sometimes I can put those demands on her. It's like, no, 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 you need to understand that. You understand me. Mm-hmm. You need to apologize this certain way, and that's how it can stretch into like this is a multi-day thing. <laughs> when her apology was 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 enough, right? I don't I mean to laugh it. at your conflict, man. <laughs> um, but it's you know it's 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 really like uh, that. What's that game? You know, you put the ball under the three cups and you move it around. Oh, what yeah. is that called? What is that? I don't even know what it's called. But uh, we all we know, know what we're talking we about. We all yeah. know exactly. Yeah. What Follow it is. the ball. Where is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And, and you're always wrong. You know, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know how that works, but I'm not smart enough to figure that out. I mean, I think that a lot of people, it's its just so easy to get caught up in, you know, the, the surface. Life is so busy and we have so many responsibilities and you just, you just, it makes you want to connect more and more. 
but it also makes you connect in less meaningful ways. So your desire goes up, but your functionality goes down, mm-hmm. right? Forgiveness gives, it, it demonstrates your power. So when you forgive, let's say you're forgiving your wife for something, or she, let's, let's be realistic, she's forgiving you <laughs> for something you've done. You know, at that moment, I like to create the discipline where I'm thinking, wow, God is working through my wife right now. You know, I am actually witnessing God's providence in this moment. And it changes the dynamic because asking or giving you forgiveness is no easy thing. Right. Right. I mean, absolutely. Forgiving people is hard. Mm-hmm. That's why it's, it goes against our nature. It's definitely not the human nature. It's, it's the believer's mm. DNA, the believer's nature. Mm. And so we see things differently. So when someone offers us forgiveness, how do we see them? If we're going to complain and if we're going to critique it, that says more about us, of course. Yeah. But for those of us struggling with receiving forgiveness or believing that it's authentic, you know, all the buzzwords that we hear nowadays, mm-hmm. genuine, authentic, real, deep, you know, it's, it's powerful. Yeah. You know, it's powerful. And you're witnessing God working through someone right in front of you. Yeah. Michael, you said, you said something that I, th- I agree with. But I, I, it, I did have a catch yeah, yeah. in my spirit of time bit when you said, you know, the time is now. Yeah. Like, the time is now to forgive. I, there are probably some people listening that they're like, I wonder if the time is now. Like, what it caught me was like, what about the person who's dealing with something really, really deep and they haven't actually investigated, delved into, really dove into their own feelings and dealt with those? Ooh. So if they hear that and they're like, the time is now to go forgive— but they can't even do it authentically yet. What do, what do you do with that? Is it more, is it kind of like my, what ran through my mind was like, the time is now for the process to begin. Yeah. Like the more you hold on to bitterness, like you said earlier, the more you hold on to bitterness, the more it's going to hurt you physically, right. uh, emotionally, all of that. The time now is to start. What do you say to the person who's sitting there going, dude, I don't even know if I could forgive that person. Right. Right. Um, I don't know. What do, what do you yeah, say? Yeah, I think it's, uh, that's kind of a loaded question. So, um, and, and it's a good, it's definitely a good question. I also think some people, when you say do it now, they're going to kind of, you know, especially like ones or eights on the Enneagram, they're going to be like, okay, I'm bringing it, you know, and they're going to like rush into the bedroom. They'll wake up their spouse. We need to talk. And I, f- I just want you to know, I forgive you. You know, it's like, oh, the eights will be like that. The ones will be like, I got to, I got to right read now. a book on they're forgiveness, so get it perfectly right. And let's go do it tomorrow. Right. I would love to start a conversation out of nowhere with, I forgive you. Yes. <laughs> I would what? love to see your wife's response. Yeah. If you just like, good morning. I want you to know, I forgive you. I've been thinking all night about this. <laughs> She'd be so creeped out. Yes, sure. Um, okay, so here's the thing is, once again, we put forgiveness on a pedestal. So we're spacing it out like it happens or it should happen based on a situation, right? I've been hurt. I forgive the individual. I would make a case that it's actually a daily practice hmm. um, because like someone in your position, Sean, you know, how many times does someone say something to you offensive in a given day, it happens. I was just talking to Nick. <laughs> no, Michael, you're in the room. Yeah, yeah. I mean, seriously though. Yeah. Like, I mean, three times to five times a day. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Uh, definitely being a pastor, you definitely hear your share of criticism and you do. whatever. Yeah. yeah. And so, how? What's it like for you to turn the other cheek in the conversation 
or choose not discipline yourself to not go down the rabbit hole of, of defending yourself in a conversation mm. when they talk about a sermon or they talk about, they want your opinion. And when really what they want is you to side with them on something that they're talking about. Yeah. 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 I think you go one of two ways. You can defend yourself or you can just get calloused and hard to the situation too. And just be like, uh, whatever. Dismissive. Yeah. yeah. But you're right. I like that idea of a daily practice. Now you do have to listen too, because oh, sure, there are sure, moments yeah, like yeah, absolutely. I don't actually need to forgive that because they're right. You know, well, would, there are those moments. Yeah, but, yeah. I'm making yeah. the case that this is where you're practicing turning the other cheek. Is actually think of it as like a micro forgiveness. Like I am, I'm not engaging. I'm not going to get upset. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just. I'm going to be a great listener. I want to empathize with that person, and then I'm going to realize this isn't actually about me, even though they're using my name. So that's an interesting thought. Like. You're saying that sometimes we get hung up on forgiveness because we're trying to understand maybe something that that is pretty is not just to oversimplify or over spiritualize. We're all broken. We're all fallen. Yeah. But you're saying you can't really understand the motivations, the yeah. background, the history, the experience that made a person do this thing mm-hmm. that right. really hurts you. And if you stay hung up on that, you have a hard time letting go. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's how it works. I mean, I think we see that a lot. And how can you? Re- I mean, Larry Burkett, you know. But I, I loved reading his stories. The great. So Larry Burkett once said, um, "Every morning, I am going to learn something new about my wife." It was one of the most romantic letters I ever re- read that he wrote to his wife, and then he explained it in the commentary. He's like, "The way that I, f- I, I." love my spouse, I love my wife, is that every day I, I decide I want to learn something new about her. The reason I bring that up is because knowing someone is not about having all the facts. It starts with accepting and a, having a desire to see them, to hear them, and value them, but not label them, not to understand what brought them to you. There's a time and a place for that. You know, I mean, understanding our childhoods, you know, you don't know my childhood. You don't know the things that I've never told anybody, which f- that created a coping mechanism at a very young age that had unintended consequences in my teen years, my adult years, which created this false sense of self, which I struggle with and, uh, and, uh, and you know, every day, mm-hmm. right? We all, you know, struggle with personas that we want and that we think are real. And one way to kind of shake that off is re- realizing who you are in Christ. It gives you this chance to see yourself differently. And I think when we when we struggle with forgiveness, we're choosing to not see who we have become, mm-hmm. who we now are. It, it's it's definitely... That might be... I don't know if that's... Too, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do find it easier to offer forgiveness, even for like legitimate slights that that people make against me, if I understand why they would do it, right? If it's like, yeah, you, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of an example and that might not be helpful to think of something specific, but it's like, you did this and I've totally done that before, you know, I forgive you. When something happens, I'm like, I would never do that to someone. Mm. That's when it really is difficult for me wow. to forgive and I'm, you know, as I'm talking to you right now as a counselor, I, I start to think like that probably, uh, <laughs> there's probably a little flag there of like pride, right? It's like, right. I would never do that. Mm-hmm. 
like I'm look at me. I would never do that. And how in the world could you do that? Yeah. I think that's another category of, of difficulty or another level of difficulty to forgive someone. I mean, we have a little T trauma and a big T trauma. People mm-hmm. talk this way a lot. Is there a little F forgiveness and a big F forgiveness? Mm-hmm. Because I think me letting things go is me practicing forgiveness. I don't always do it right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, since we've been talking about this, uh, especially the last two weeks with the sermons here at Rocky, you know, talking about you know, mercy and forgiveness and peacemaking, I mean, you can't help but think about it, like, all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, it's how do you incorporate it? Now, let's say I've had someone else this, this last year had a really big hurt. A really close friend of mine was really struggling, and he took it out on me. Mm. Uh, in a way that I honestly, in the moment, thought, we can't recover from this. I can't recover from this. And um, I was heartbroken over like his perception of me and how he had dr- come to some conclusions. And I wanted to find out all the facts. And then I got to this point where I think even through some wise counsels, like, you know what, just, just stop right here with your, your inquiry. You got to know when you're actually harming yourself mm. when you're trying to find out why people do things to you. You got to know and have, you know, list. I mean, that's why we have small groups, why we have close our men's and women's groups. We need people to speak into our lives to, to warn us of the cliff when we're so enraged that we, we're like, I'll just go off it. Yeah. You know? And so I think that this is not just a me and them question. This is like, who am I surrounded by? I think one of the big issues with church is it's still treated like it's just a Sunday event. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I'm so sick of talking about this. Because why have we not realized in the last 40 years that community is not just Sunday morning or a holiday? And I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm you know, angry with those people, mm-hmm. but I'm, I am frustrated with How, like, are we not communicating how much we need daily community? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, I don't think you can forgive adequately if you're not with your tribe who's a forgiving tribe. So you're, by being in community with people, now, and and, at churches that might look like small groups, whatever, you can put titles on them. Whatever, yeah. But by by finding that genuine, I'm using those buzzwords you were talking about earlier, genuine, just (laughs) real, you know, community they actually help you in identifying where you might be going off the rails a little bit. It's yeah. like, huh, you're maybe you shouldn't be so angry about those things, or maybe those things aren't as personal as you think they are and help you in forgiving those micro forgiveness yes. moments. Yeah. I don't know. This is the things that I say to myself or any group that I'm leading where if you're doing something well and you're trying to honor God and what you're doing, you will be under attack. We must all believe that, right? Mm-hmm. That's just baseline foundational knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. Satan doesn't want us to succeed. And at the same time, the way that he succeeds most is isolating us, okay? You isolate the prey from the herd, and you take that one out. Yeah. Any National Geographic TV show <laughs> shows us this, you know? And so when we stay with the group, not only are we safer, but you know, I have this image of, I don't know if you're familiar with the musk oxen, like in Tibet. I'm, I'm incredibly familiar. I know everything about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you know. 
Okay, we'll go back off that one. Um, no, I mean, so they surround each other, and their their heads make this giant plate. And oftentimes, uh, this animal is used as an example of protecting, like, and what community can do. It's strength in numbers, and that's true. But also creates a culture. So, like, if our culture is knowing Jesus and loving like him, and Sean is believing that, mm-hmm. and you're believing that, and it's we're at we're in Sean's hot tub and we're talking about that. <laughs> except for Nick, he's like standing off by himself. Yeah. And or we're you know making pizzas and we talk about that or barbecuing or watching the kids play at one of the activity days here. Mm-hmm. It's you see where I'm where I'm going with this is we are reinforcing the ability to let go and let mm-hmm. God come in and take take over that situation. You know, and I think the the opposite of that when you take community, I think there are people in my life at different times where if I spent too much time with them it was unhealthy mm-hmm. and it just actually we would just it would be like an echo chamber of like yeah. I can't believe he did this and it was gossip and his triangulation and it didn't lead me closer to forgiveness. It would if if anything it was like reinforcing all the rights I think that I have and that, that they've abused those rights. And I, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's us versus them. Yeah. So the, 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 the quality of the community you have, the circle Definitely. you have is important as well. Yeah. I, I think that when I think of forgiveness from the cross, you know, forgiveness is part of the cross and salvation. I think of being given a new start, not a fresh start. Like that word is very specific. This is a new start, new creation, change. And I think as a community, when we practice forgiveness on a very daily, weekly, or relational level, we're actually ministering to each other Mm. about who we actually are. Our identity is in forgiveness. Mm. Okay? And in a world right now where everyone's struggling with their identity, I think that that, this is all, this is just part of the environment we live in. Mm -hmm. I get why they're struggling. Yeah. Because they're isolated. But going back to the new start is we want to kind of spread that mentality throughout our groups. I mean, how many churches say we're the, ch- we're the church of new beginnings? We're the church of new beginnings, or, the, or this is a place for a fresh or new start? I think we imply it. We, we talk about it. Yeah. But do we practice it? So speaking of practice. And that's I, at the core of loving like Jesus. I really think mm-hmm, it is. Absolutely. And our identity in Jesus. Yeah. Um, would you have any... I feel like the conversation has been really rich and uh, a lot to get out of it. But is, is there a way that you can maybe simplify or condense and say, hey, here's, here are some steps that anyone can take for those th- those big moments of forgiveness that they need to work through? Like, do you have practical steps that you'd recommend? Yeah. Um, I'd go back to the idea of letting go. So I think turning the other cheek happens frequently. And what I mean by turning the other cheek is not engaging conflict that's presented to you. Okay. So let's say that, you know, we're talking and you say something that's triggering to me Mm -hmm. and I feel that trigger and I want to retaliate. And when I say retaliate, it's, it's more of a feeling like I want to get my words in. Yeah. It's, I, I need to say this. I mean, how often have you heard this? I need to say this. I need to get this off my chest. And what if you didn't? Archbishop Desmond Tutu and his and his daughter wrote a book because forgiveness was so critical in the rebuilding of their country. And he introduced the idea of how do you incorporate 
forgiveness in the way that you live your daily life. And this is where this concept kind of comes out of, is if you were to just simply, in a practical level, someone gets upset with you, they want to argue with you, and you choose not to. But instead, you recognize that them being charged with you is the sign of a deeper longing, a deeper need. Then address that. Now, a lot of people say that that's not forgiveness. They're like, My, that is not the forgiveness that I've seen, you know, in movies and TV and from the pulpit, you know. Mm-hmm. But it actually is w- that idea of looking beyond the person in the conflict into what their heart is saying. Trying. We know that God sees the heart of men. We can only try. But we know that we there is something there. It's like if you can say, I don't know... I see that you're upset. And instead of me thinking you're coming after me, I'm going to ask the question, what's happening to you that I'm experiencing you in this way? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. It's like I'm adding this third element and I'm putting Sean and I in the same boat that Sean's trying to communicate something to me. He's not attacking me. He's not really criticizing me. Mm -hmm. It might come out as a criticism or a critique But when you choose to go beyond that and you realize it's fueled by something that is a deep longing, I think, you know, Sean would probably say something to me like that because he doesn't want me to respond that way down the road. Well, I think also... He's protecting me. Yeah, and it it helps prevent me from being triggered in my own stuff. Right. You know what I mean? If if I'm... you're, you're, You're bringing a complaint to me or something like that and I recognize... And, you know, and not in a pandering way, right. you know, it's like, oh, well, then Michael's just, you know, he's whatever d- dismissive, but actually trying to figure out, you know, what, what in your experience or, or what longer you're talking about, like what need do you have? It, it increases my sense of compassion, I think, yeah. as opposed to me just being like, who does he think he is talking okay. to me like that? Well, now you're bringing up a really good point is how do you get good at forgiveness? Mm. Like, what is it LeBron James said? He said it was ten, that, that he was addressing the 10,000 hours of, of practice, you know, to become really good at something or an expert at something. And he says, yeah, that's just the beginning. That just gets you on the court. Then you start your next 10,000 hours. Yeah. And so forgiveness, it's, first of all, it's normal to question it, to feel uneasy. When you start practicing forgiveness and making it a daily practice in small movements, um, it's it's not going to be easy. You're not a pro at this, right? And so what makes you really good at it is practicing and practicing the idea of not engaging conflict and not avoiding conflict, but looking beyond the conflict and trying to identify the source. Mm-hmm. And I think it creates a forgiving atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so, we can oh. forgive all the people who think LeBron James is the best. <laughs> um, we all know Michael I Jordan is. Right just, now. You know, <laughs> I think that's all good. I think practically, how do we jump in? Of like, if you're in a spot, what do you, what do you start with, and what do you do? Like, if, I, if you're if you're in that spot where it's like this is a for real big wrong, like either I was abused or a major offense. There's an affair. There's uh you know one of those things where it's it goes beyond that daily practice of yeah. like micro forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Well, well, before we go there, I would say then the 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 practice or the le- or the the way to train for that 
is, you know, going back to an old tried and true method, which is keeping a forgiveness journal. How many times have you chosen not to engage someone in an argument that would need forgiving? Okay, so start there. That's the first ingredient is I would tell people, and I do tell people like in meetings, I'll say, go ahead and create a forgiveness journal. You know, just start jotting down. First, just recognize where forgiveness is needed. You know, awareness is really important. We, we lack in, you know, we talk about situational awareness, um, but we lack in relational awareness. We're often f- so focused on what it's doing to me that we're not thinking across to what are you going through? that this is happening, that you're in a place where now I feel like I need to forgive you. So I would just create a journal and practice for one month or one day at a time. You know, make it really small so you get a really big win out of it. Mm-hmm. And just start writing down, like in bullet form. I tell them, don't elaborate. This isn't your diary. Mm-hmm. Just, hey, today I told my wife I loved her. She didn't say it back, and she went out the door while she was on her phone, and I wanted to throw my coffee at her. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, like, so I'm just identifying triggers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I didn't do that, honey. Do you, do you, you yell at the door? I'm putting this in my forgiveness journal. <laughs> <laughs> That's called weaponizing, Dick. Oh. Oh, you're in my, you're in my journal today. No. Five entries. Yes. Need to do better tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. I got a soft topic. I'm making copies of this. Y- you're um, saying recognize where forgiveness is needed. Yeah. Let's just yeah. first recognize where there's a space for forgiveness and then begin to practice looking beyond the accusation, right? Or the hurt. So let's say Sean hurts me and I want to retaliate in that moment. I realize I'm a, I'm not going to retaliate. I'm going to just, I want to ask him, ask a question. I want to, I want to learn more. Okay. Tell me more about that, man. Right. So that might be my first step. And that's always going to be my first step in seeking understanding. Right. So mm-hmm. I don't need to know everything, but okay, you're bringing this up. Why? And the, I know I'm using the word why, but what's the reason you're bringing this up? Yeah. And then he tells me, and then I, my understanding, and hopefully in that amount of time, I'm calming down. And that is the, if, if we did not calm down, then I know I've got to actually come back and say, listen, you really hurt my feelings, man. Mm. And hopefully he would say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. And then there's the piece where I think it's it's appropriate to verbalize, um, man, I I was really upset by what you said. Mm. And I forgive you um, for that. Now, what do you do when the other person says, "Uh, you forgive me? Mm. Right? And that's that kind of adds a complication to it, right? We call that a you know you know communication complication. I mean, it's like, wait, what? Obviously, your awareness of the situation was not accurate. So he's so, like, I'm doing you a favor, and you're like forgiving me. Okay, so I so real life situation like there's there there's a person I've worked with that we we both actually did some stuff that we both would look back at and say, dude, that really hurt. And uh, intentionally or unintentionally, there was some of that that was there. One of the things that I noticed on the forgiveness side is that I was avoiding actually acknowledging that that was actually a real hurt. And so there was a time frame of just in the steps of forgiveness that I remember acknowledging it and saying, no, what happened with that person, that really did hurt. Mm. And then acknowledging this is how it actually made me feel. 
Right. Like just diving into the feeling thing of going, yes, it it didn't just hurt, man. It made me, you know, angry. It made me lose trust. It made me this. Now I'm fully acknowledging in that situation, there's some things on his, that person's side would say, I feel that about Sean. Yeah. So take that a little further. I also noticed further down the road that there were some things in, in relationships and conversation where it was almost like I was reading something about forgiveness the other day and you, you know where you're making steps in forgiveness when you don't wish that person harm anymore. That's and I right. wasn't wishing oh, that person yeah. harm. Yeah. But what I was doing is every per- when that person's name would come up, I'd flow into that conversation about what happened again. Right. And, and in my mind and in my heart, I was reliving some of that and not wishing harm on them, but I sure wasn't wishing good on them. Yeah. Dude, you're hitting the nail on the head. Forgiveness is sacrificial. It's not transactional. It's not quid pro quo. So going back to what we said at the beginning is it doesn't have to be equal or balanced. Yeah. Forgiveness is you obeying God and being in that moment. And, and what you said offering mm-hmm. it to him. Of So as I was studying through for that, message if you remember the message mm-hmm. i did mention that thing so i i come back to that thing and i started going okay that's the first that's the next step is when that comes up i don't need to i don't even need to engage in that conversation or even talk about that anymore i don't need to bring that up because that is wishing that's not mm-hmm. wishing good on a person so then the next step uh even working through the conversation is that become if i'm not wishing harm i at least need you said a new start mm-hmm. i at least need to have a new start of going well, I can wish that person well. The past is the past. I can't yeah, change the yeah. past. Can I wish that person well and say, man, I don't wish any harm on that person. I don't have to, it doesn't mean reconciliation as far as we don't have to hang out together, but I can say, dude, I do wish him well. Absolutely. Forgiveness is a conscious decision like you're describing. It's not, it won't come natural. You have to choose to do it. And I think you, what you're describing, and I'm just going to put some words to, is as you think about the situation, you know, some people get more and more mad, more and more angry. They want their pound of flesh, if you will. Yeah. They want justice. Other people, they tend to get softer, and they think more about this person and less about what they've done and who they are as an individual and what you've shared over the years together. And that choosing to make a new start is something that it's not denial. Okay. Denial is avoidance. It's, yeah. it's mm. pretending like it hasn't happened and you know, let's just move on. Right. Mm. But when you make that, when you have that, that, that cho- when you make that choice, you have that thought that I want a new start with this individual. You're actually saying you mean something. You mean something to me. You mean something to what we do together, and you're giving that person value, mm. and that is really uh, a major part in knowing that person and becoming closer as a friend. That is part of the reconciliation process. So, may I ask you this person sitting there that's saying, "Okay, I'm not wishing them harm anymore. I can say I wish them well." Does there need to be a conversation in every situation where? you do say to that person, let's take whoever it is out there that's listening and there's been maybe a deep hurt and they've made it through. So they've acknowledged their own pain. They've acknowledged some, they've worked through that. They've talked to a counselor or a friend, whoever, but they've worked through that side. But does there need to be some closure of, Hey, a conversation to say, Hey, you may not realize this, but when this happened, this is how I felt. Yeah. And, uh, and it hurt. I just want you to know, I worked through that and, and I forgive you. Does there need to be? Yeah, absolutely. 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think you look at Psalm 51 and you and you look at that that chapter and it really creates an anatomy for apology and forgiveness. Yeah. And um and you know, the part that we haven't really talked about is repentance. Right? How does repentance, you know, it's the process in which we change our ways. Yeah. So it doesn't happen again, right? And so how does that play into it? But yeah, I think you have to verbalize it. I think it's because that's you got to get it out of you, right? That's God's gift to us is forgiving others allows us not to harbor bitterness. It's it's like the antidote to to bitterness. So here's the thing: is sometimes it's going to feel like a confession. If I say to you, "Hey, Sean, listen," um, the other day you brought something up, and I was really not comfortable with it in our group, um, and I know it was like two weeks ago because. Uh, and I know it's two weeks ago, and it's just been festering. I've been getting angry and more angry and more angry to the point where, like, I just want to, like, scream at you and fight you. And I got to tell you, man, I am sorry. Like, you, mm. and, and you're like, I didn't even know this was happening. You know, we were just out to dinner last night. And this is me sharing with my brother. This is my heart, man. Like, I'm struggling. And so I went ahead, and I, I need you to know that I needed to go through I needed to forgive you for what I thought you were doing to me. And that was the process I needed to go through. And, and I need you to forgive me. And you, at that moment, you will decide either you're going to go down the route of, uh, dude, I did not mean, you'll defend yourself mm-hmm. and, ju- and, and justify, or you'll be like, hey, I, you look beyond me. You look beyond it and say, look, this must have taken a lot. Mm. for you to come to me with this. And, and I, uh, man, I, I see you, I hear you and I appreciate it. I forgive you and thank you for forgiving me. Yeah. It's a very gracious way of approaching that conversation. It really is. Yeah. I think you do need to be careful when people need to be careful when they go looking for forgiveness. Um, Mm. if they go to apologize and they come apologizing, almost asking for forgiveness, but deep down inside what they're really looking for, I was really angry at what you did Mm -hmm. and here's how I felt about it, man. I'm sorry about that, man. That can leave you in a bad spot if that person doesn't come back and say, Hey, I'm sorry. I actually did that to you. Um, so I think we've got to be clear with our intentions. Well, you know, and, and do we, I mean, the more clear we are about our intentions, it sounds more like it's dependent on the clarity. Maybe, yeah. Here, I'll say this. My hope for me and what I work towards is I'll forgive everybody. I'll forgive, I'll forgive everybody. I won't necessarily reconcile at the same rate with everybody. Amen but, man, I will forgive you because it is part of who God wants me to be. Yeah. That's all I know. So I think if if your mindset is there is no one that will make me not forgive them, then that's yeah. an interesting mindset to take into your community and into your work and your church life and your home life. So we're coming up on time, and, and there's still a, a, another avenue I want to go down, and that is what about forgiving people that are no longer here, mm. and either they're dead, and you know it's a it's a grandfather, aunt, uncle, father, whatever. They I can't talk with him i can't understand i can't do any of that or, or maybe they're not that maybe they just they they left the family they left and, and they don't want to anything to do with you anymore how do you forgive them oh that's a good question and luckily i think the answer is really easy 
I, I when I was when I was goodness, I think I was like seventeen. I did. I worked maintenance for a ministry up in Chicago, and they had a an apartment for a woman who, when she was not in the field, when she came back to the states, she would live there. And her name was Corey Ten Boom, and she in her in her diaries, she she talks about the Lord's Prayer. And how the part of the Lord's prayer is, Lord, forgive those who trespass against us. And the idea, she was all, she mentions in her diary, she goes, some people pray this every night. And she decided that the people that harmed her. And and are you going to say what, like what her story is? Yeah. Okay. Well, no, no, go ahead. Do you know her story? Yeah. Well, she was in a concentration camp, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, her family was found guilty, right. I put that in air quotes, of, of hiding Jews, right? Right, right. So right. she spent, you know, years in a concentration. Yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to make no, sure. No, no, thank you. Yeah, and so, I, I, yeah, I guess it's been so long, a lot of people don't know her story. But, I mean, she is like this amazing example of forgiveness. And she chose as a practice to pray every night for the soldiers and the people that hurt her that she never knew to forgive them. I think it comes back to the daily practice of I'm going to forgive you no matter what. Mm-hmm. I don't need to know you. Mm-hmm. I don't need, I, you can be gone. Now, it doesn't eradicate hurt. It doesn't eradicate, it doesn't erase it from our minds. Doesn't justify Absolutely what their actions. Absolutely not. Yeah. yeah, there's no, it's not validating what they did. We're not giving them power. We're not letting them off the hook. That was the thing is Corey Ten Boom realized this is me Living out the gospel, what God asked me to do is love everybody, forgive everybody, and honor him. When you take away the need for the other person to be in it with you, then you're truly, I think, on the right path. Wow. And she demonstrated that. Mm. Yeah. In her nightly prayers, I think there's there is something to though you you mentioned that's part of why I asked that question yeah. of like does it need to be vocalized? Do you, do you need to say it? And just, it, it did strike my mind that just because a person is gone doesn't mean that we can't say it. Mm. Like there, uh, I had a, a good friend, um, pastor buddy of mine that uh, actually was on a, uh, just a spiritual development retreat with a, a kind of a spiritual director guy. And he actually took him through some things and there was some hurts in his life. And he looked at him and said, Chris, I want you to write a letter. And I want you to write a letter to this person. I want you to express all your feelings, um, all of it. And he came back and he actually had to read that letter to the spiritual director. Mm. And he said, guys, it was, it was the weirdest thing. It took me quite a while to actually get down and write that letter out. He said, once I started writing, it just started flowing and it mm. started coming out. And then he said, there were some things I realized in there that wasn't actually about the person who I was so hurt by or angry about. It actually was about me. Yeah. And he said the, the, the experience of writing it down and then vocalizing it to someone else yeah. actually freed up a whole lot in him. Bro, thought, you're hitting it on the head. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, that, it's, it's cathartic, right? Yeah. It's, that's the therapy right there is like getting it out of you. Yeah. I'm going to take it one step further. I, I'm going to – one of the – you know, I work with couples. I mean, that's one of my big focuses is trauma, grief, and loss, specifically with couples who need to recover – one of the hardest things for me to get them to do, I mean, it's like pulling teeth. Yeah. The free thing they can do, they don't need to pay for it. They're asked to do it is just pray together. Just pray together. Just every night, pray together. Well, we had this, we had this idea a 
couple of years ago, where what do you do when you are practicing this art of forgiveness, when you're being obedient to this, you know, to forgiveness? And what do you do when you have all this leftover angst and anger mm-hmm. and you're upset? What do you do with that, right? Basically, who do you vent to? Mm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive you. I'll forgive anybody. But that doesn't mean that my hurt doesn't go away, my, my upsetness and my anger. Where does that go? Take it into your prayer life. You know who wants yeah. to hear about that more than your spouse, more than your men's group or women's group? Is, he- is your heavenly father. Absolutely. And if you don't think you have enough to pray about, or if you think all your prayers are just like asking for things or protection for people because you're afraid of what the world's going to do to you, use all that exhaust, the, all that, you know, that experience from forgiving people on a daily basis. Tell God about it. Mm, yeah. Let that fuel your prayer life. It is way better to vent to your heavenly father who there's nothing you can do where he'll love you any less than to people who are struggling here on the earth. That recently has been huge for me Mm. because I know I've had conversations with people who've said from stage that sometimes in our marriages and our friendships, we we look to them to to meet too many of our needs when it's like, okay, that's a God thing. And this just practically, you know, I, I, I can be prone to going down the path and every situation is what if, what if, what if, what if, mm-hmm. what if, and right. just anxiety. I can wear my family out mm-hmm. if I bring all those things to them. Right. And that it can also look like that. Like I'm, I'm ticked off because of this and, and this happened today. And this person said this, and this is a, I'm stressed out and I'm frustrated. I can't bring all of those things to my wife and expect her to mm-hmm. hear everything and yeah. know all the right things to say. And that practice of, man, I can actually just vent to God. Like, I didn't know that I was allowed. Yeah. Because I thought we were supposed to say, our Father, art in heaven, like, you're worthy, you're lofty, and go through this, like, formula. It's like, it's hard for me to think that right now because I'm overwhelmed with, I need to vent. Well, right. And so then you see your pastor up on stage on the weekends, and they talk to him like they know each other. (laughs) He's like, hey, Heavenly Father, you know. (laughs) And you're like, how is he doing this? Yeah. I mean, I, I kneel, and I'm like, Crossing my hands, here's the church, here's the steeple. All of a sudden you have like an, an English-British accent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, my <laughs> heavenly Father. No, it's, it's like, what just happened? Yeah. He is yeah. so happy. I mean, he is so overjoyed. I, I think that when you speak to God, it's like your kid calling you from college. You're like, oh, my goodness, she's making time for me. Yeah. That's how I choose to view it because I want, I need things to be simple, man. I'm just, I'm a simple person. I need to be simple. Life is chaotic. I'm pulled many different ways like you guys are. I need to be able to just forgive everybody, talk to God about how hard it is, and then tell my wife how much I appreciate her, you know, having my back. We spend too much of our lives believing that people are out to get us. Our church is out to get us. Our, Our neighbors are out to get us. And, Heck, maybe some of them are. But at the end of the day, who do you want to be seen as? How, what do you want your testimony to be in the short time that you have here? Mm-hmm. It's not about optimum performance anymore. It's about longevity. How long can I love my neighbors? Because first of all, you have way more capacity than you think you do. God doesn't think in terms of fear and limitation. He thinks that you're as capable as you allow him to work through you. And that's the thing that a lot of people I think don't get is my son, when he was racing bikes, 
he, he, he said, when I'm at, uh, when I think I'm at a hundred percent, he goes, I believe I have another hundred percent to give. And I remember one of his first, uh, not first races, but a really big race called the Dead Swede in Wyoming. It was a dirt road, high, uh, high altitude, a lot of climbing, uh, gravel ride, 100 miles. He was 16 years old. And he said to me before the race, he goes, no matter what you see in here, please don't try to get me to quit. Don't try to protect me. I've got this. And about mile 80, I've got a picture of me in front of him and he's drafting off of me and his face is bright red and there's just tears. He's just crying and crying because of the pain. The vans would, the, the sag wagons would come up beside him and they would try to, okay, let's go. You can take a break. We'll take a break. He said, nope, nope, nope. And it got to the point where he's fighting people off that are trying to rescue him. And I just, I sat there and I started crying myself because it's really hard to hear your child Go through pain. And so what I wanted to hear him say at the end was, it was worth it. Thank you for having my back. Mm. And I think every day there's not a moment that our Heavenly Father doesn't want us to recognize that. Thank you. Just thank him for giving me this out. Thanks for giving me a chance to have an out with forgiveness and giving and looking out for me in this way. Well, I think that's where forgiveness is an act of trust. Because I was reading the other day, I'd never picked this up, that when God says there was a passage where Jesus is saying, just remember, it's mine to avenge and mine to repay. But then he goes, turns right around and says, but as for you, pray for your enemy and love mm. those who persecute you. What verse is that again? I can't even, I'd have Dude, to look back. I got to remember that. Because you know, I've heard you, I think I've heard you say this before. So say that again. It's mine to revenge. Well, gee, God has, it was, he was quoting from what he said in the Old Testament, saying right. it's mine to avenge, mine to repay. Do we trust that God is taking care of that situation? And do we trust that he's also going to take care of me? But as for you, you pray for your enemies and love those who persecute you. Yeah. That, so the person yeah. who has done this to me, can I leave them in God's hands and trust God that he's going to heal my heart if I will step through the process of forgiveness. And again, it's a process. Yeah. And I was laughing when you were talking about, man, I can complain to God. I wonder if there's a process there too. Like we, we bring that person to God and we complain, but does that complaining ever change to you? Because we're trusting God. It goes from complaining about that person saying, God, I wish this would happen to, to, I don't wish him harm mm -hmm. to actually God. I've let go of this. You're taking care of this. I trust yeah. you. And I wish them well. I hope something's different for them yeah. in the future. That I feel like is a process of trusting God. And that's only something I think God can provide. That's not something we do and we achieve. That's something the Holy Spirit in us does. So if you're out there and you're a person who's going, yeah. I can't do that. God can. I, mm. I, th I think we don't want to minimize your hurt by any means, but I think God can. Any final that's thoughts, great. guys? No. That's it for me. We said it all. There you go, man. We covered everything. Of course, we. I know, I know that what's going to happen is we're going to drive away from like, oh, I didn't say this thing. But uh, such good content. I'm looking forward to going back and, and listening through this and, and taking notes. There's This one's chock full. Michael, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. It's always good to hang out with you guys. Yeah. Right on. All right. 
I am so appreciative to Michael and, and Sean to, to be able to have that conversation. Do me a favor. Go ahead and share this podcast right now. Uh, wherever you're listening to it, share with someone, a friend or family that you feel like could really benefit from this, this conversation about forgiveness. It is way too important of an issue to just keep it to ourselves. Well, thanks so much for listening and make sure you check back with us for the next episode. Take care.